0: This is On the Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of On the Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Share Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us, really appreciate it. Big Bathurst preview coming your way shortly. Richard Crowell, Mark Walker, and Dale uh, Rogers to join me to have a look at everything. That's happening up at the Bathurst 1000 for 2020, what a big race it's going to be. So we're not going to cover too much of the Bathurst news in our news segment, but there's plenty of other stories to look at, and we'll kick it off with Formula One. And Lewis Hamilton has drawn level with Michael Schumacher on 91 Formula One Grand Prix wins, having won the Eiffel Grand Prix at the Nuremberg Ring in Germany. Hamilton was presented with one of Schumacher's helmets by his son Mick after the race, which saw him extend his lead atop the standings to 87 points. Hamilton was clearly humbled by the gesture and will have the chance to move into outright first in Portugal in a fortnight's time. Lewis Hamilton who picked up his first win in Canada is coming round the final corner now for his latest win. It's win number 91 the record is equaled. Schumacher and Hamilton the most successful drivers of all time in terms of race wins. Hamilton takes the Eiffel Grand Prix Verstappen comes home for second takes the fastest lap on the final lap and Daniel Ricciardo his first podium since Monaco in 2018. Well done, Ricardo. well done, Renault. Lewis, we have to recognise that this is your 91st victory. You equal Michael Schumacher in that achievement, and we have something that I think will be fitting of recognising this special moment. So if you look to your left, Uh, Mick Schumacher, Michael's son, is going to present you with one of Michael's helmets. Yeah,
1: that is a beautiful moment, and that's one of Michael's uh, Mercedes race helmets. What does that mean for you, Lewis? I don't even know what to say, I mean, you know, when you grow up watching someone and you
2: generally idolize them, you know, really just in terms of the quality of the, the driver they are, but what they're able to continuously do year on year and race on race and week on week with their team. I, I remember playing Michael on, uh, as a game called Grand Prix 2, I think it was, and I think there was a the time I was playing you at one stage too, but uh, you know, just, Seen his dominance for so long, I I don't think anyone, and and especially me, didn't imagine that I'd
1: be uh, anywhere near Michael in terms of records. So it's an incredible honour.
0: Daniel Ricciardo finished third to claim his first podium for Renault in Germany, a feeling he described as like the first time all over again. Ricciardo was the beneficiary of Valtteri Bottas' retirement, something he felt was a reward for recent consistency rather than one-off luck. Although, forgetting to perform his trademark shoey on the podium, Riccardo was still ecstatic about his first podium since May 2018.
1: Is that a podium, boys? Yes. Is that a f- podium?
0: That's a f-ing podium. <laughs> yeah, nice job, mate. Scenario 12, scenario 12. Awesome ride.
2: Woo! F-ing podium, Daniel. Thank you. <laughs> awesome job, mate. Oh. <laughs> Finally... <laughs> The CD.
0: <laughs> mega man, mega oh. Wow.
3: Enjoy this one guys. Enjoy it. Oh mate. <laughs> this is really bad. I forgot all about it. No
0: way. I literally forgot about it. I'll tell I'll tell you why. Because as soon as they've done the champagne, Max was already spraying me and for the first time ever they chilled the bottles so normally the champagne's like lukewarm (laughs) and it was freezing or maybe it's just because it's so cold outside um so i was just i think just shocked with cold and i didn't even wow i'm actually sad now
1: oh man i'm sorry
0: Nico Hulkenberg managed an 8th place finish for Racing Point at the Nuremberg Ring, having replaced the Unwell Lance Stroll just the day before the race. Hulkenberg started last on the grid, having not undergone qualifying. His last race having come at the 70th anniversary event at Silverstone. Remarkably, he now trails Sebastian Vettel by just 7 points in the Drivers' Championship, despite competing in 9 fewer races. Mercedes boss Toto Wolff has denied suggestions his team could supply Red Bull engines from next season, as the latter team seek to replace the departing Honda. Wolff stated given his team already supply four teams, including themselves, there is simply no scope for additional supply. Ferrari boss Matteo Bonotto also declared his team hasn't considered reviving their engine partnership with Red Bull, which concluded in 2006. Formula One boss Ross Braun is hopeful new power unit regulations set to be imposed in 2020, six can entice engine manufacturer Honda back to the sport. Honda is seeking sustainability in their resources and are working towards carbon neutrality by 2050. As a result, we'll leave Formula One at the end of this season. Braun suggested Honda would be invited to discussions surrounding the new regulations as F1 grapples with its environmental impact moving forward. Ducati's Danielo Petrucci has become the seventh unique rider to win a MotoGP Grand Prix this season, finishing ahead of Alec Marquez at Le Mans. Title contenders Fabio Quartararo and Juan Mer struggled sorry, through what was considered their first wet race since 2018, finishing 9th and 11th respectively. There are five races remaining in the truncated MotoGP season, with the Aragon event to be held in Spain next weekend. Meanwhile, Australian Jack Miller was among seven riders who failed to reach the finish line at Le Mans, forcing him to retire on lap 19 after his Ducati expired. Miller later explained the result was inevitable, having been forced to switch to a bike with pre-existing issues following a downpour shortly before the race. Miller slipped now to sixth in the overall standings, 33 points behind And Honda rookie Alex Marquez downplayed his maiden podium at the French Grand Prix, stating it didn't mean that much given the wet conditions. Marquez came from 18th on the grid to earn Honda's first podium finish in 2020, his first in Premier Class. Marquez won the Moto2 World title last year and is the brother, of course, of six-time MotoGP World Champion, Marc Marquez. Indy great Haleo Neves will reveal his plans for 2021 within the next month with his 21-year partnership with Team Penske. Set to conclude, Neves has raced in the IMSA since 2017 but has long referred to IndyCar as unfinished business, describing a full-time return to the format as ideal. Last month, Neves announced he'd spoken with four teams about his future. That's the news. Let's get straight into our Bathurst 1000 preview. This is On the Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, everyone, time for our main segment for our pre Bathurst On the Grid. Let's say good day to the team that's going to help me try and uh, decipher what might happen in the 2020 edition of the Bathurst 1000. Richard Crail, good day to you.
3: Hello, brother. Bathurst Week. It's good, isn't it? It's nice we're finally here. There were times when we didn't think we'd actually get to this point of season 2020. So it's very nice to be here, um, if if remotely this year, which sucks, yes. let's be and honest. We um, will
0: discuss that further, I'm yeah, sure. Terrible,
3: but it's good, mate. Great race week. It's going to be a cracking motor race and uh, can't wait to uh, unpick it all and tell you how we think it's all going to play out.
2: Exactly right. Dale Rogers, Good day to you. Hey, Tony and
3: guys, how are you? It's
2: a very weird feeling not being um, in the uh, west of New South Wales at the moment, or the central west, should I say? It's a bit weird, isn't it? Um, not being at Bathurst, but uh, uh, we agree with Kralse. It's going to be a cracker of a race, and uh, yeah, we'll see what unfolds. And Mark Walker, good day to you.
1: Baxter Cralsey-Dale, uh, yeah, it is weird. It's all a bit wrong. I think how we should have done this is we should have all just gone to our local Chinese and ordered the Sea Banquet. And eating our sea banquet banque. while we're... It's the
3: B banquet. It's the, bee. the Never get bee the sea. No, is terrible. The, 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 that's always the... <laughs> we've done that every year. We go to yeah. the Rose Garden Chinese on Thursday night um, or Wednesday night for Wednesday our, our night. pre-Bathist ritual Chinese pre-brief. And we always, without fail, order the banquet one size too large that we should order. Uh, so you always go the middle banquet face. Yeah, this sorry. is the Chinese restaurant top
1: No, I've forgotten that. I've actually put it up on our preview. uh, Normally put up there where to eat and drink, but I've just given our normal standard itinerary of Rose Garden, uh, Jack Duggan's Duggan's Irish
3: Park, Church
1: Bar, uh, Dogwood BX. I'd throw that into the mix. I really think it's it's a good place. Uh, And Great Wall Sunday night and a bit of Hub Espresso Bar Monday morning. Yeah, Panthers at 2 o'clock on a uh,
0: Friday night. It's not
1: too bad.
3: Speaking from experience, of course, Shebex. Yes, I've heard. No. Are you? I've only heard. Oh, right. Sure. Okay. Are
2: yeah. there any any uh, Indian Uber drivers in Bathurst this year, do you think? Or do you think they've just given it a miss?
3: Well, there'd be I'll no business, mate. There's no, no, there. There's no one there. No. I'm not sure how
0: much business they're going to get, though.
3: Well, two, two years ago, I was chatting to a Bathurstian, and there were exactly two Uber drivers in the whole Bathurst region. Mm. So... Um, so this weekend's not going to be particularly good for booming the uh, ride-sharing business, much like... Tony would probably know them both, though, I would think, would well, we'll certainly be in a personal relationship. Mm.
0: We should talk, and on a serious note, before we get into the race itself, but we should talk about the fact that how this is actually going to hurt the town of Bathurst. Uh, this week is generally a massive week for the town of Bathurst in regards to the amount of people that come into the town from interstate, the amount of money that's brought into the local economy through this race, and also the 12 hour in a couple of months time mm. is astronomical. The money that people make from the renting of houses and, and all that sort of stuff. We talk about the Chinese restaurant, and we, we say it in jest that we, you know, we, we enjoy being there, we do, but there yeah. won't be people going there this year. This is going to be a really tough period for the Bathurst economy.
3: Yeah, and and to follow on that point, a lot of people roll their eyes when promoters roll out things like the economic impact statements and things like that. But when you get to an isolated economy, a a small town or small city economy like Bathurst, it's actually meaningful more than it is with a Grand Prix argument for Albert Park or Adelaide 500 for for the city of Adelaide. Because you mentioned the houses, Shebex, and on, on average, there are 500 houses rented out for the Bathurst 1000 week for five days and generally they're a minimum five day wednesday through monday rental now the average price for a Bathurst rental house is about 3000 bucks for the week yep. which is great value when you put eight ten people we've had more in houses in the past that's 1.5 million dollars into the local economy bang right there yeah so that's that's 500 people who don't have to pay or don't have to fork out of their own pocket to pay a mortgage for a month or have an extra three grand to spend on let's take the kids out to town to the movies or whatever. Like it, it's the meaningful stuff like that. And then the camping it, it's the people with the Utes that set up on the main road, the great Western coming in by the Macquarie river. They're selling firewood that must sell a couple of grand's worth of firewood every event that they just rely on every year that they're not going to have. It's the, it's the Rose garden that won't have us spending probably 350, 400 bucks on a Wednesday night for 10 of us having dinner. The list goes on and on and on. I mean, I would have spent 10 grand at Jack What's... Duggan's over the last 15 years. So the Heineken factory is going to go dry. Yes, exactly. I know. I know. So it's it's all of those things that get smashed by this year by not having both the, the spectator attendance, the media attendance, and a larger competitor base because of the fact that not all of the the regular support categories and their numbers are there.
0: Yeah, exactly right. But anyway, there will be a race, and that's the great thing about it. And it goes to the first real extended format for this year post COVID. Of course, we did have a three-day format in Adelaide or four-day format. When did we start? We started on yeah, five
3: hundred was four days. Yeah,
0: Yeah, four-day format in Adelaide. Uh, We go back to a four-day format for Bathurst, and that's going to be interesting in itself, gentlemen, because. The teams have got very used to a Saturday and Sunday, and now all of a sudden we're going to have all these extra practice sessions, which we must say are probably going to be well needed because there's going to be some drivers, especially the co-drivers, that haven't really had much seat time this year.
2: Well, there's plenty of uh, track time in the schedule, Tony. There always is a race, but there's obviously there's, there's a couple of uh, co-driver-only sessions. Plus, you've got to remember that the crews have not refuelled cars in Satellite as well. So the whole pit stop thing is... is uh, you know, they're they're finding their feet again. You've got crews that perhaps haven't haven't really done a full pit stop as well. So all that practice on Thursday and Friday is going to be absolutely critical. And, um, you know, I think there's already talk about that that pit stops this year, as they always are important, but will be incredibly important because some of these teams are fatigued. So they've been on the road. Victorian teams been on the roads now for months. And, uh, you know, the race could be well and truly decided on some, some, you know, shonky pit stops. So... All that time, Thursday, Friday, is going to be absolutely critical for these guys. Absolutely critical.
1: So you mentioned refueling. I don't think the actual actual act of refueling is going to be the problem because that's not too hard. It's just jamming the thing in there and they, they run through that. You can dry run that a bit to an extent and you can get used to the action of jamming the... fuel probe into the car the problem is going to be that front rotor change normally at the pre-bathurst test day in the morning you do your little systems you do whatever program you've got but the afternoon you'd spend a solid four hours going in and out of the pits hot rotors hot brakes changing those so they're going to come into a completely cold they're going to have to try and factor that into their run time for the weekend one thing you've got to keep in mind too this weekend is that out of the 50 drivers on track seven of them are rookies and those rookies haven't had a decent run-up. They haven't necessarily had all their support program running that they'd normally do. They haven't had the ride days. They haven't had the test days. They haven't had the additional driver sessions. So it's all good saying, oh, these guys have experience and whatnot. But they're coming in a lot rustier than they did last year. They Last year, we didn't have the 500. And everyone got through it all right, but you had all that additional program going on in the background that everyone was able to take advantage of this year. They're coming in really green. It doesn't matter who you are. You you haven't had a really good run up at this. So it'll be telling to see who does make mistakes because they will happen.
3: Yeah. And, and Thursday, I think is going to be an enormously important day for the whole context of the event. And on those two points, you raised Mark one, the pit stop thing. I would not be surprised every time a car comes in, in a practice session, into the boom, full pit stop practice every time. They'll practice every night, of course, but there's nothing like doing it when the brakes are at 800 degrees and the car's heavy and the driver's trying to jump out and everything's going on and there's other cars around. So I would I would imagine that practice sessions will include a heap of pit stop practice for the, the pad and rotor changes, like you mentioned, and the refueling stuff. But 12.45 Thursday, I don't care if you're at work, you're at home, whatever you're doing, put Fox on KO, whatever you've got and watch that co-driver practice session because that could be the most important session of the weekend because those seven rookie drivers that will be their opportunity to get laps for the first time. We don't know what the weather's going to do, but you make a mistake in that session. If you're a co-driver, if you haven't got seat time or enough seat time coming into the weekend, if you're going to make a mistake, it'll be that session. So just before one o'clock on Thursday afternoon, watch that practice session because it could be completely mad with a bunch of co-drivers getting their first lap, some of them for the first time this year.
0: Well, Richard, you did say in the second annual 2020 Great Race Preview on the racetalk.com that you believe that there could be a massive mistake made in one of those early sessions by a co-driver, which could wreck a car for the entire weekend.
3: Well, if not for an entire weekend, it'll be a a day, two-day rebuild that costs them a heap of track time. And, uh, last... and this is a year, Mark, where you're not going to want to lack track time. Every single lap is so vital this year, perhaps more than it's ever been. So if, if your old mate and you fence it at Reed Park at the top of the mountain on Thursday and you twist the chassis and it's a 24-hour rebuild, your weekend's pretty much done from that point.
1: And that was exactly what Luke Gildon did last year. He went out there, tried to be a hero in practice, wrote the car off. That car was absolutely stuffed. And it took the rest of the, the team the rest of the weekend to get back. And they were completely absent on race day. I mean, they finished fifth, but. They they didn't really run fifth all day. They just sort of dragged that home in the last stint. So, yeah, that's going to be the telling one. Uh, Whoever's winds up in the fence. I mean, these guys haven't been running double stints. The co-drivers will have to do double stints on Sunday. And they haven't done all these race miles in the the heat of battle. The fact that it might be raining, that's another curveball. At least that might take a bit of the heat out of the day. But you do have that added challenge in there off the wet track. So, Who knows? So
0: we we speak about it year in and year out that rain probably is the great leveller at Bathurst and, and can bring a surprise result when it does happen. It would seem though in 2020 that maybe COVID-19 is the great leveller and the fact that everyone is so rusty, not even the big teams are immune to making a mistake maybe in the next uh, few days.
2: Well, as Mark just said, I mean mistakes are always made in the early days. We, we normally see a car in some Dishevelled way in, in the garage, whether it's one of the favourites or not. I I think it's you know you, you could you could back it in that someone's going to have a problem on Thursday. And uh, but look, the teams are stretched. Uh, we know that we, we've seen some mistakes already, even at the, at the bend a few weeks ago. There's mistakes in pit stops. Um, so yeah, I mean this is this is going to be another part of this race that's going to add to the, the flavour and the mix of it. And the weather, of course, uh, the forecast, as as Mark just said, is not looking that flash. So. Um, Uh, The rain will be not only a great level, it will also be something that I don't think anyone wants to see from a race driver point of view.
3: 100%. And just to touch on the weather, we we might as well look at it because Thursday 24 top. This is as we record on Tuesday evening, Thursday 24 top seven overnight. So those quintessential central West cold nights, 10% chance of rain Thursday, 40% chance on Friday and 23 degrees. 50% 50% chance of up to two mil on Saturday and 23 degrees. So it's not going to be cold during the day, which is good, which hopefully mean that it dries out reasonably quickly. And it can rain for the whole week. As long as it's dry for an hour between five and 6 PM on Saturday afternoon, I couldn't care less. Um, we want the sheet out to be dry. And then the, the best thing for mine is 80% chance of five to 15 mil on Sunday and not uh, 22 degrees C for the great race. So, um, dry and laid up would be super throw all the balls in the air with a wet race on Sunday. That's like the ideal kind of scenario.
1: Now I don't think I've heard anyone talk about it. And I'm typically the only idiot who does come this time of the year, but we're going to have no campers on top of the Hill. And that's obviously going to be a shame for the atmosphere. Uh, yeah, it's such a great place up there. All the campers, everyone, they've been there. Some of these guys have been coming for generation upon generation, the exact same camp spot. So it's a great shame for them. The other problem is we've got a lot of skippies at Bathurst and typically we have dramas with them getting from inside the racetrack onto the circuit. And they've put a lot of effort into the fencing and all the systems to try and keep the kangaroos on the inside. If they're in there in race week, that's where they stay. The problem is we never have a drama with them coming from the other side of Reed Park, the other side of McPhilmy Park, where a lot of them do live over there in the, in the um, sanctuary. And that's generally because of crowd. Because there's 20,000 people setting up shop there. So that whole area is going to be absolutely empty. So all those skippies are going to be able to just stroll straight on through there onto the racetrack unless they've gone and put skippy fence all the way around that side of the track. So that, that could be one to look out for.
0: We should just mention too, Dale, before I throw to you that for our listeners over on Radio Show Limited throughout Europe and the like, skippy is actually a kangaroo. In case
3: you weren't um, aware, the RS1 audience is very much aware of the Bathurst 12 Hours of X. They're uh, right. No, up but I just want to so, sure they
0: were aware of the terminology yeah. of Skippy because I'm yeah. not sure if
3: that program went. I think it did actually. It, didn't really. it did it really? Yeah, yeah. I, I think wow. that had international reach. There you go. And if it Dale, didn't, sorry. it should have.
2: Uh, just on Mark's point, I was I was talking to Stevie Johnson during the week and. Uh, I said to him, you know, he's he's done plenty of first laps across the top. And I said, just what do you think it would be like in the car going across the top with effectively nothing there? And he said, it's extraordinary. He said, apart from the flags and everything you see and just the crowd and and, and the atmosphere, you actually hear the the crowd in the car. You can actually hear them. Uh, It's that big on the first and second lap. So he said, from a driver's point of view, um, you know, it's something that's really missing because it gets the adrenaline pumping. If you're in a good position and you've had a good run up on lap one, and then you come across the top, you know, Crestreed Park, it's flags, it's noise, and it really pumps you up. So he said it's going to be very weird for those those guys on that very first lap. So it's an interesting point.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. There's no doubt about it. Other things before we look at the teams themselves that are going to be different this year, Bathurst-wise, for, for the teams before and even during the great race, what is something that could come out that people may just think, oh, i did not even think that that would be an issue
3: oh oh, yeah i don't know that's the the joy of bathurst there's always a there's always a curveball that gets pitched that no one's seen before Uh, last year with Debris and a slow number 18 mustang wobbling down the hill to make some room for double stacking i mean who could have predicted that that would ever be a thing at bathurst um and yet it happened, and it and it wrote the narrative of that motor race. So, um, yeah, I you your, can't your predict weather it forecast. Be. There had
0: three days of rain. Do we Potential. believe that uh, potentially? Do we believe that Dunlop have got enough wet weather tyres up there?
3: Yeah, Dunlop, uh, yeah, mate, Dunlop, Dunlop have got tyres coming out of the wazoo after this year with what two completed Super Two rounds out of a scheduled six, yeah. and we've dropped three supercar rounds as well. Um, so nah, they've got tyres aplenty, mate. That will not be a drama. Won't be a problem. Yeah, look, I, I think weather, weather looks like it could play a role, but I mean, how many times have we sat at Bathurst and go, oh, it's going to rain, it's going to rain, and then it never rains. The 12-hour the, the this year, I, I spent two and a half hours pontificating about the fact that the Bureau was certain it was going to rain at five o'clock in the afternoon, and it started raining about five minutes after the chequered flag had dropped. So... Yeah, the podium. Yeah, correct, exactly. You cannot predict any of that stuff at that joint. No. So, and that's part of the joy of it. That's what makes it so great, um, and why we all love going back year after year.
0: All right, let's go into the teams and have a look at the uh, combinations, and we'll get your thoughts on how they may or may not go. We'll kick it off with Wilkinshire, Andretti United, Bryce Forward, and Kurt Kastecki, and in the other car, Chaz Mostert and Warren Luff.
3: I I've got. If I was a gambling man and I'm not, certainly not this year, I'd be putting money on car 25, perhaps not for a win, but certainly for a podium. Warren Love's strike rate at Mount Panorama is extraordinary. Um, Seconds and thirds, left, right, and center with a bunch of great co-drivers or main drivers. And he's got one of them this year An informed Chas Mostert, who's driving extremely well. He's comfortable with WAU. They're a team on the rise. They've had great one lap pace, especially, their race pace has been a bit whimsical this year. They've been good in some, and then their tyre management's been difficult in others. So while Bathurst isn't necessarily a high wear circuit, it's certainly a high load circuit. And we've had a history of tyre dramas at that place in the past. So if WIU get their race car right, I've got no doubts that Chazie, Mark and, um, and Luffy could be a contender for a podium, especially if they're in that leading group of cars fighting it out with Chaz behind the wheel with
1: 10 laps to go. Now, this year coming into the race, I think everyone's capable of a top 10. I wouldn't be shocked if Team Sydney or Matstone Racing or the wildcard jagged a top 10. It's seriously not out of the realms of possibility. The other thing to keep in mind, too, coming into this race, 15 of the cars have already been on the podium. Mm. And three that haven't are David Reynolds, Rick Kelly and um, Mark Winterbottom. Mm. So there's 18 cars that if they get their stuff together on the day, they can be on the podium. Now, which Walkinshaw and Treaty United is going to turn up? Is it going to be the one that Bryce got a podium with at the last round? Or is it going to be the one that Chaz had no car pace during racing conditions? So, I mean, that's going to be interesting to see. On on any given day, any team's good enough, but uh, which one's going to be? Luffy, Luffy's interesting, isn't he? He hasn't had many full-time drives, many support. You know, he's done a bit of Porsche racing, a bit of GT stuff, but he he never really does a lot of racing outside of supercars. Is it his day job with the stunt driving? Every day of the week, he's, he's out sharp. there. He's sharp. He's hands and feet and eyes and everything's moving. He's keeping race fit by doing something completely off on a tangent, but he keeps just bashing out these results. He just mm. keeps getting podiums, getting podiums is that ever going to dry up? Is he just going to keep on doing this, keep doing whatever secret sauce that he's got going on there and keep wheeling out these results. I mean, they're capable.
3: Yeah. hundred percent. The thing for mine with WAU is that last year, they weren't fast, didn't make the top 10 shootout, but finished third and seventh with their two cars. So they had terrific race pace and time and time again, no matter what's gone on throughout the season in their, their latter incarnation of HRT, when they were pretty average, they always seem to deliver when they got to Bathurst. It's just one of those tracks that tick the box. So their performance last year was really, really impressive. We, obviously, JC and, and Perkins on the podium, Luffy and Scotty Pye seventh. So strong combos. I wouldn't for a moment expect Fullwood and Kastiki to be a podium hope, but um, certainly the 25 car, I think a real shot.
1: But that 22 car last year, they got pit stops out of the way early Mm. and they had long stints and they weren't faffing around trying to get to that magic number at the end. So that's what really got them up there is that they just weren't coming in and out of the pits when they should have been out there bashing out laps towards the end of the day.
3: But that's the guru factor of, of your teams with a lot of experience and they might not be a crack team at the moment, but guys like Robbie Starr with, 25 or 30 years of Bathurst experience at that place, just going, Hey, we need to get this car in now. That's the kind of little stuff that can make a difference there. And I think has for that team in the past. I don't think anyone would have backed them onto a podium 12 months ago, but they ended up with two cars in the top eight. So yeah, really impressive. I um I I hope they the WAU we get is a really feisty competitive one because I'd love nothing more than Mostert to be in the mix with the elbows out and all fired up with nothing really to lose at the end of the motor race because that would just add a huge amount of spice.
0: Uh, let's go to the first of the Ford teams. Dale, I'll get your thoughts on Kelly Racing. Andre Heimgartner and Dylan O'Keefe in one Mustang. Rick Kelly and Dale Wood in the other.
2: Yeah, it's been coming on strong, haven't they? Uh, progressively, uh, you know, huge effort from this team. Um, new cars, whole new technology in the engines. Todd's you know, well-documented what he's done. You know, they had to rebuild engines in Darwin with problems, but they seem just to be getting it together. And, uh, you know, I see these guys as a, a confidently running in the bottom of the top ten during the day, either car. Uh, Andre's proved to be, I think, the, the, the standout of the two. He's been consistently quick. Rick's done a great job as well. But there's no reason why if this car doesn't have any problems with it and they get it together. I mean, I've already filmed Todd building the new engine for Andre. Um they they could be just flying under the radar all day and pick up a nice top 10 for mine.
1: Either one the, of them. The question mark for mine is going to be Dylan O'Keefe, uh, a rookie. Yeah, sure. Doesn't have, a, doesn't have a lot coming into it. Obviously, he stepped in for Richie Stanaway at the Gold Coast last year when things turned full Gary Rogers slash Richie Stanaway there for <laughs> reasons along their own lines. Unknown. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Dylan had one podium last year in the Super 2 series, had a, a few wins in the Alpha and the TCR stuff. He's had a few uh, wins in Porsche Carrera Cup over the years and had some solid seasons there, but uh, he hasn't gone and donged them in any of the undercard series. So he doesn't have a lot of out experience. That's going to be the question mark there.
3: He's a he's a safe yeah. driver. I, I think he's a, he's a pretty confident pair of hands and probably won't go and do anything spectacular. I don't think needs to because of what Andre Heimgarten has done so far this year. And his one lap pace has been great. Well, I think we all unanimously back them to be in the shootout um, in TRT's preview. So that car will be fast over a lap. I don't think there's any doubt of that. How, how cool is Todd Kelly though? And, and what they've done nice. this year is outstanding. And the latest video that dropped from Kelly racing this week about uh, their Bathurst engine and TK, jumped into the Pilatus and flew from Adelaide to the Gold Coast to prep a new engine and then flew it back to Adelaide for them to chuck into the race car in terms of in time for the 1,000. Just an amazing story what they've done. Nice to have access to those toys and that ability to do those kind of things, but you've got to be able to leverage it too. And they've done a super, super job this year. And I think when we look back on the story of 2020, what Kelly Racing have achieved will be one of the better yarns to come out of it and certainly the way they've documented it as well.
1: And TK was genuinely proud of what he's done yeah. at the end of that video. is cool. Mm.
3: Alright,
0: let's go into Brad Jones racing. Four cars are there for that team. McCauley Jones, Tim Blanchard in one, Jack Smith, Jack Perkins in another. Nick Perkett, Thomas Randall and Todd Hazelwood and Jordan Boys in the car that if it gets very dark at night or during the day you're going to see <laughs> them stand out. That is very yellow.
3: Yellow and black Shebex.
0: Yeah, go, tikes.
3: (laughs) Is it an omen? Um, Look, boys, I I think out of the four here, Perkat and Randall by far and away are an ace combination and and they're a shot at at a top five, certainly, if not more. Great form, all season long. Nick's a multiple winner. He's been a contender at every round they've turned out to this year for for top five or six car pace. And Tommy Randall now has got plenty of experience and that's going to be good for the co-driver battle up to speed in super two he will have super two miles on the weekend as well. So I, I rate car, Eight. The others, they're a, they're a, a circulate all day and grab a top 10 kind of combination, I think, but from BJR car eight, I think is the one to watch.
1: They were all right last year in qualifying in the wet. Mm. Come race day, they were absolutely nowhere. They didn't finish a car in the lead lap. Didn't finish better than 14th. And Tim Slade wound up in the wall in the opening lap. So, yeah, yeah they,
2: dropped, they dropped a lap with Burkett, though, and they, which they never got back. So with that puncture early on, their the, the day was done early. So they never got a lap back, and that was the that was the end of their race. So that's that's the cruelty of it. They were they were a top, you know, definitely a top five car.
0: Tickford Racing have four cars involved in this year. Lee Holdsworth, Michael Caruso, the old mates in one of them, Cameron Waters and Will Davison in the second, James Courtney, Brock Feeney, and the fourth car sees Jack LeBrock team up with James Moffat.
3: Hard to pick a weak link amongst the Tickford Quartet, isn't it? They've got four very, very good race cars, and they're all fast as well. So we, I think we touched on it in our TRT Bathurst preview at theracetalk.com, that any one of you could pick any one of the four to make the shootout, and certainly three of them definitely could make it on raw car speed. Even James Courtney's recent quality pace has been very good. Lee Holdsworth, ironically, the guy who's been on the podium this year, um, has been struggling for one lap pace in recent rounds. Great combo, a lot of experience. Certainly, Waters and Will Davo are the standout there, but JLB, Mark, and Moff, that's a great combination. LeBrock's in really, really solid form now. And James Moffat's one of those guys who's been around there enough now that he can just jump in. He'll be fast from practice one, and I don't think that will be too much of a drama for the super cheap car.
1: Now, we ran the stats on the top 10 shootout. Guys who ha- in the field who have averaged better than 10 uh, in qualifying at Bathurst are uh, McLaughlin. Anton Di Pasquale, he's averaged yep. starting positions fifth over the last two years. Uh, Van Gisbergen, and Winterbottom, Wind Cup, and Courtney. So he's mm. one of the guys that you should really keep an eye on, I reckon.
0: Before we go to the other cars, we're halfway through the field at the moment, we'll take a little break in proceedings here and go to a a little segment which we've brought in for our Bathurst preview. Dale Rogers, gentlemen, is going to run a segment here called Numerology. We've never actually run this on the grid, so I've got no idea how it's going to go. But Dale, I'll throw it over to you and wish you all the best.
2: (laughs) Thanks, Shabeks. Now... We have, we have a great stat man, Mark Walker, on board. We have great mates over at the Sleuth uh, with um, Noons and, and Shane. But this is the real numbers behind Bathurst. This is what it really all means. And this is where you need to get your pens and pencils out and get your sportsbook account going crazy. Right, 2020 supercast Championship finishes at Bathurst. Seven tracks have been visited. The last time seven tracks were visited is 1974, which is 46 years ago. So if you divide forty-six by seven, you get car number six. So there already is the first omen from twenty twenty. The twenty twenty Bathurst one thousand has twenty five entries.
0: I'll go back to that. Forty six by seven,
2: divided, seven into
0: forty six. Six six is a 40 to 48,
3: forty eight, isn't it? Oh,
2: it's close enough. Twenty five in The twenty twenty <laughs> Bathurst. Chebex. Don't let the
3: facts get in the way of a good story. 25
2: entrants in the race, right? Last time, number 25 won the race was Brock Harvey Perkins and Phil Brock in 1983. In 1983, that car qualified seventh, but it was fifth in the shootout. The last car to win from fifth, Craig Lowndes and Jamie Wincup in 2008. And ironically, in that year, five drivers whose car lined up for the start of that race did not race. So there is another absolute no-brainer on the 2020 Bathurst 1000. So okay, quali- Ford Qualify v.
3: fifth and win.
2: Ford v Holden. 2020, there are eight Fords and 17 Holdens. Eight Fords. Number eight is a Commodore, driven by Nick Perkett and Thomas Randall. 17 Commodores. Number 17 is a Mustang, driven by Scott McLaughlin. It seems like there's another rip effect. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, Dale,
1: the people listening to this podcast can't see your eyes. The no, eyes sorry, are making
2: on the video, but wait till we go to the next one. This is a beauty. Eight Fords. When was the last time that eight Fords started in the race in 1995? But the finishing numbers were in second place 35 was AJ uh, and Alan Grice, in seventh place was number 18 was Stevie J, in eighth place was Kevin Waldock and Mark McLaughlin. Remember them, and in ninth place was Tony Longhurst and Wayne Park. There's another one from. Um, Richard Crowell's old pass. Now, if you look at those numbers, thirty-five was Alan Jones, thirty-five this year is a Commodore, Falcon, Jacobson and Russell. Eighteen was a a uh, Falcon, it's now a Commodore driven by Frosty and Golding. Number twenty-eight, nobody did nobody is number twenty-eight this year, but if you divide it by two, it's number fourteen, another Commodore. And then number twenty-five, which was Tony Long Falcon, is again a Commodore. So there you go. The last time of the eight forwards, the four finishers are now Commodores. It gets better. 17 Holdens. Last oh, time 17 Holdens started. Well, no Commodore, no seven Commodores have ever started this race. Back to 1978, the top three finishes were, 05 was Brock and Richards in a Holden, in a Tirana. Six was Grice and Leffler in a Tirana. And 18 was Carter and Lawrence. I've taken the first three in a forward. But check out these numbers. Number five this year is a forward driven by a Holdsworth and crew. So number six is Waters and Davidson at Ford. And number 18, Murray's old number, is Frosty and Golding in a Holden. So there you go, complete reversible. And to finish it off, this is a cracker. 9 and 80, 40 years since DJ was formed and led the great race. Number 17 was equal fastest time in qualifying, but KB set it first in the Camaro. How many laps did DJ lead for? 17. <laughs>
1: oh.
2: 34 cars were classified as finishers in that race in 1980. So divided by two, what do you get? 17. 14. 40 years on, 17's favourite to win again. There you go. Bathurst Numerology, get on the sports.
0: <laughs> Can I say that the last time I saw you this excited was when your wife said yes?
2: <laughs> no, it was probably at the Great Wall last year after about <laughs> 40. <seconds. laughs> So but there you nice. go. Forget all the hard stats from the sloth and everything. This is where it's at. Bathurst numerology. This is going to be part of our our our, our on the grid future.
3: Well, you've shocked Walker into complete silence. I've, I've never nothing. seen you so engaged, Dale, about anything. This Fantastic. is outstanding. Um, blown away. Blown there you away. Go. You know, I
2: can uh, you can read all that on the race talk this com- and I'll tell you just get your get your sportsbook account going you're going to clean up a fortune on
0: those. All right, look there forward to it. I will. Uh, let's go back into the teams. And Erebus Motorsport are next up. Dave Reynolds and Will Brown in one car. Of course, Will Brown used to be with the other car, Anton De Pasquale, who now has Brody Kostecki as his partner.
3: Well, Shebex, if you take ninety nine and divide it by ten, you get nine. That's it.
2: There you
0: go. A- 11. Yeah, Eleven.
3: Eleven. There you go. That's just numerology. Yeah. So, look, Erebus Erebus are an enigma wrapped in a puzzle that are just completely and utterly strange this year, aren't they? And we all expected them to come out and be a legitimate contender for regular race wins this season, and they haven't done that. Um, And as the season's gone on, for whatever the reason may be, engineer not being there, Barry Ryan engineering, who knows? Anton, as the season has gone on, has raised his stock immensely and dave reynolds has struggled big time there's something going on in car nine if there's ever a place to turn it around it's mount panorama because dave is always quick there they've been fast in qualifying for the last couple of years won it a couple of years ago they've been contenders year in year out so with will brown alongside dave's got a really good co-driver but at the moment i I think anton is is the man at erebus Penrite racing so that inter-team battle, I think, for mine, is going to be very,
1: very interesting to watch. little subplot to chart over the course of the weekend. Which Erebus is going to turn up? Who are we going to get this weekend? Are we going to get the team that's going to go out there and dong them like we saw back in 17 and 18? Or are we going to get the 2019 version?
3: Well, yeah. it's, it's You're going to, to get a colourful work. car. I know that. No, mm. no, can we just touch on that for a minute? Mm. That's yeah. not a... It's not... I love Penrite. Okay. Penrite are fantastic. Great Aussie company that do great things for motorsport, but that's a terrible livery of well, all the things they it, can
1: do with that car. You, you can have something that looks, presents great in a photo sitting in a studio, but the problem is race cars move. Yeah, you, You've got to be able to it, have some contrast there. It doesn't to even able... present good in the studio though, Mark. That's the but thing. Yeah, and that's true too. But even like their regular series car, it's so busy that, it takes away from the branding on the car. Often with a race car, you know, you go to the retro round, everyone wheels out these old school liveries. Oh, geez, that looks great. Because the stuff on it's easy to read. It's not about the livery. It's about having branding on the side of a race car. Anyway,
2: which is why right. which DJR and Penske have stuck with what they've got, because they've got yeah. such a, a superb livery and Triple Eight the same to a degree. But Penske really... They don't have it littered with stickers. It's just a very clean and beautiful livery, as DJR cars have been. But I agree. I think it's all over the place, the Penrott one. But uh, just on that, I think uh, Anton is the pick. And we've, we've watched him a couple of times in the shootout, boys, and we've been uh, very, very impressed with that guy's speed. So uh, he's probably driving for um, uh, some paperwork and contracts too, I would think.
0: Team 18 have got two Holden Commodores going around, one driven <clears throat> by Mark Winterbottom and James Golding, the other by Scotty Pye and Dean Fiori.
2: Well, if Scotty Pye qualifies twenty-fifth, he'll probably win the race because <laughs> his storming through the field this year has been very, very impressive. But uh, he certainly—I mean, he's already said qualifying doesn't matter much. But um, I reckon Pye is—you uh, know—really uh, another a sort of outsider, if you will, or a bit of a uh, rookie. Oh, not rookie, but. Uh, but he could really cause an upset here if they just keep out of trouble and keep the car going. Uh, strong, he's been strong about this too. You know, he's had two um, second places. Frosty also. So they've come good, haven't they, Team Dan They've really have, done yeah. a very, very, very solid job.
3: I think the key factor there, though, is co-drivers and Dean fiori's uh, Dino's a lovely bloke and he's a great, great driver, but he's had zero laps this yeah. season. So he goes in very, very green. Um, James Golding hasn't done a huge amount of racing, but he's got, more recent, I think, experience behind the wheel. Um, he has driven cars for GRM and their fi 5000 program and things like that this year as well. So, um, of the two of them, you'd probably put Winterbottom Golding in front, just purely on a more evenly matched combination.
1: From, from what I can gather, they're not full-spec Triple Eight cars. They haven't quite that the friends down the end of the pits have got and they really have been leaning on pies set up lately you know frosty side of the garage they haven't quite been able to get a handle on their car they had some glimpses there they got a bit more of a direction at the bend but uh they've been leaning on what scotty has been doing so it'll be interesting to see how that pan out they've got their own boom this year so uh it's choose their own adventure from here on in
3: which uh, just puts more Shabek's more emphasis on those practice sessions and and Erebus are probably in the same boat. I would have thought with the nine and the 99 and Reynolds looking to tune up what they've been doing on that car to get him up to the same level that Deeper Squally has been at. So those early practice sessions for those teams where one car is going really well and the other one's battling team 18 being a perfect example. As Mark says, those practice sessions on Thursday are going to be very interesting just to see how everyone unloads and how they develop the cars over the course of what's basically three hours of running on on Thursday.
0: I'm going to uh, group two lots of teams here together that'll probably be probably be towards the rear end of the field team Sydney with Alex Davis and Jonathan Webb and Chris Pither and Steve Owen and also Matt Stone Racing with Zane Goddard and Jake Kostecki and Gary Jacobson and Dave Russell
2: well the Kostecki boys are uh, out in force aren't they they're uh, they seem to be popping up right across the grid but uh... I think you've nailed it already, Tony. I, I, you know, you really can't see these either of these teams really doing much. Um, although my numerology did suggest that car 35 was a can. will <laughs> uh, play around a bit, and they can play. They could play a role in the race because they could be either in a situation where they are causing an issue, or you know, we've got the safety car thing where they're going to be cars being passed and on laps and things. So look, they'll play a role, but I can't see either team really uh, troubling the top 10.
1: The thing is, you go back to 2014 and how mental a race is, and if we have something that's similar with yeah. weather, with people fencing it, anything can happen. I mean, these guys could jam it in the top 10 if they have a really good run. Team Sydney have had glimpses of okayness this year, and uh, yeah, who, who knows? Yeah, Chris
3: Pith has been, I think, quite good in the coat car this season, and at the bend, he was quite, quite fast, and he's had moments of being speedy for a team that clearly doesn't have the resources to to challenge at the front of the field. So they're good struggle street for co-drivers there. And, and again, with the greatest respect to Webby and Owen, I mean, John o. Webb's a, a Bathurst 1000 winner and Steve Owen's been on the podium, but zero miles this year for either of them. So that's going to hurt. And if they get through Thursday and Friday practice, okay, then they might be all right. But um, yeah, picking between those two is difficult. I will say, I, you know, I, I've been impressed with Zane Goddard this year in particular, but I think Jake Kostecki done a pretty decent job at MSR too. So like Mark said, mad race. I mean, they could pop up. I'm not going to say they're going to be in the top five because that would be unrealistic, but but certainly a top 10, I think they could have decent, pretty consistent race pace if they need it. So um, yeah, I'm not ruling them out from a a half decent result.
0: Laughing. I would think. And before we get into the two big teams, the uh, wild card entry this year comes from Gary, Gary Rogers Motorsport, Tyler Everingham, and Jaden Ojeda.
3: Well, it got better when they added Ojeda. With the fullest of respect to Nathan Hearn, adding Jaden, who is current, he's fast, runner-up in Super Three last year. He's got Super Two miles. That makes that combination a little bit stronger than it was. They're not going to do anything spectacular. They'll be lucky to qualify twenty-fourth. But again, with some GRM roll the dice, If they're, they're a combination that if they stay out of trouble, Gary is known for his team doing smart and crazy things with strategy on occasion. So if the weather plays a role on Sunday, they're another one that could roll the dice and be there. Um, but Ojeda is a good addition to that car. And it, it's cool to see Ojeda and Brock Feeney both in the field after, and we wrote about it this week, Few people would disagree that last year's Super 3 Championship was not one of the best touring car seasons we've had in this country for 10 years in terms of young drivers going head-to-head, probably since that amazing 2012 DBS Championship. So um, great to see them there. They're they're not going to trouble the scorers, but it'll be fun to watch and see how they go.
1: I mean, the GRM things weren't pretty cars last year, even with some decent drivers there. They They were were hard work. Uh, So that's going against them. They haven't had 12 months' worth of development testing and and work put into them uh new drivers the the thing that probably annoys me is that every time somebody's opened their mouth and talked to the media they've just put their foot further and further into it Mm -hmm. just better off just just keep it down keep it on the down low we don't have to go to the media with everything because it's in the in the long run it's just make them look silly every single one of them who's had something to say to the media just it's come back and bit them so it was it was
3: entirely it was entirely predictable the way this all played out though, wasn't it boys? Because they they, they weren't going to withdraw the moment that we saw the car sitting in the workshop wrapped and ready to go, they were going to run. They were never not going to run. And they, by the time all this was unfolding, Gary had already sent his crew up to do their mandatory quarantine before going to new South Wales to get out of Victoria. They were always going to run. So to make this massive deal over withdrawing their appeal to this decision, and then, Nathan Hearn coming out in the media saying, oh, it's probably my last ever chance to drive a supercar <sighs> faster. Oh, please, you're 17 years old, mate. You're going to have all the opportunity yeah, yeah. in the world. Like People started a lot later than you to get a go. It's just been really, really frustrating the way this has unfolded. It's it's a disappointing thing for what's been a, a really storied race team in the history of the Great Race. One yeah.
2: plus, plus uh, just to finish on though, Tony is yeah. uh, Richard Holloway who is an outstanding engineer, has brought on lots of guys. He's, you know, he's been with Gary now many, many years. So those two boys will be very, very well-tutored by Richard. He's he's an outstanding engineer.
0: The two flagship teams for their respective brands. We'll go to the Triple Eight race teams first. Racing in the Holden Commodores. And, of course, we should mention, too, the last time that we're going to see Holden racing in a Bathurst 1000 at... uh, at Bathurst. factory, a factory. The last, yeah, the factory, factory, uh, factory sense, team with the Holden yeah. Racing Team. Shane Van Gisbergen and Garth Tander in one car, Jamie Winkup and Craig Lowndes in the other.
3: Well, Shebex, there's nothing I can add to this discussion that would enlighten anybody about these two combos. They're, they're two of the best combinations that have been put together for the great race in the history of the great race. That's all you can say about it. They're unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah, e- Either one of the four drivers could be the lead driver, in any of the cars um, they've all except Shane Van Gisbergen, won the race, but he's going to win it one day. And we know he's more than capable. It's, it's a powerhouse combination. It's down to mine boys. Like Mark said a couple of times, what triple eight do we get because triple eight have been odd this year. They've been weird decisions. They've been set up calls that cars have been out of the window. Like, Shane Van Gisbergen at the Ben 2 was absolutely nowhere in qualifying. and didn't even make the top 17. So how they, they've got more time to work at it. They've got heaps of Bathurst experience. Their cars are always fast. I'm sure they'll be in the mix, but it, it, they've been a little bit off key this year. And and that might be the only destabilizing
1: factor for what are two of the best cars on the grid. They'll figure it out. But the problem is yeah. that one of them will get double stacked and get screwed. That's, mm. What is absolutely going to happen, it happens Mm. nine years out of 10 up there with that team, is that they've got two great cars, but one of them has to be leading the other. So that's going to be the issue there. Uh, One of the stats that we've wheeled out in the preview, uh, the total laps led by each driver in each combination. Win Cup Lounge, during their careers, have led 1,455 laps. Out of all the other combinations, the next best is Van Gisbergen and Tanda with 281. It's amazing. No, how ridiculous but the, the only problem I've got with them is Van Giz hasn't got that win he's so capable he this could be his year and I hope it is his year and he ticks that box but he just hasn't ticked the box yet has he he's been second numerous times he should have won in 2014 and didn't he stalled the car there and lost the race when is he going to break through is this the year it could be but uh for mine that, that just works against him I think
2: Yeah, he starts to to become the, 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 uh, I said in our notes, the the, uh, the Cito problem. You know, he's got to get this thing over the line and and I think this is one of his best chances. I mean, Tander is just an outstanding talent. What a great get Roland Dane did at the time when he grabbed him. Uh, For mine, you know, I think they go in his favourites. They they certainly sit on top of my favourite list.
0: The 2020 champion is, of course, Scott McLaughlin. He'll be driving with Tim Slade for DJR Team Penske. The other car there, of course, is Fabian Coulthard and Tony Delberto.
2: Well, who knows, Tony? Who knows where this team's going? <laughs> where's Scott going? Uh, where's Fabian going? Where's Penske going? We don't, everything's up in the air. However, um, Scott's got a, a, one thing to prove only. He wants to win this race with no controversy. He wants to walk out, jump on the plane on Monday morning with the a Peter Brock trophy saying, I've won the championship and I won the Bathurst 1000. Absolutely no controversy. Um, and he's quite capable of doing it. The team's clearly capable of doing it. Tim Slade, yeah, look, Slade is a great driver, but again, like we've been saying, no seat time. Yeah, doing a lot of sim time and everything else, but you know, I'm sure he'll be fine. But it's not one of the cracker combinations where you look at the Red Bull, we've just team has spoken about, Fabian and, and Tony. They're a podium getting to a combo there that we know that. But the emphasis will be on the 17 car, and I'm sure that if it's if a, you know that that is that car is probably going to be on pole and we'll have every chance of winning. But uh, regardless, Scotty goes and sits St Pete next week. And um, is he coming back? And uh, what's the team going to look like next year? So a lot riding on this for, for DJ Team Penske, but uh, clearly start as a favourite.
1: So Tim Slade, I think that's just the question markers on him because yeah. obviously the, the pressure's off from the championship side of things like that has has to work in his favor but you look at his past there he's had 11 starts four top tens with the best finish to seventh he's never really done anything there then again he's never been in a Deja team Penske car then again he hasn't exactly done a lot of laps in a Deja team Penske car so yeah. he doesn't really know what he's getting himself into there uh new dad last week I remember when I was a new dad last year uh a week after that I wasn't situated to tweet about Bathurst, let alone race in the race. I mean, obviously different people <laughs> do different things and run their program different, but uh, yeah, that that could be interesting. Yeah. The, the comparison is Tim Slade versus Alex Premer, and people go, oh, Slade's better. But you look at Premer, he came into last year with a fifth with Gary Rogers Motorsport, a podium with Fangis, a podium with Scotty. He had some pedigree there, even though he made some little mistakes that ultimately got him the sack, but he was still there fast enough and able to juke it out with these top guys. That's going to be up to Tim Slade this year to do that job and, and to back Scotty up. He's up against Lowndes. He's up against Tander, or he's up against uh cup or Van Gears. I mean, he's got to keep pace with them. If he wants Scotty to be right yeah. up there in that mix coming into that last stint. Yeah. But
3: my, and my point is, and, and I was the only person who didn't pick Tim Slade as the co-driver under the most pressure for this weekend in our, in our preview. I think that experience that you touched on for Slade will serve him fine. 12th Bathurst start. This is the one race on the calendar where miles actually count and prior experience and call it muscle memory, whatever you do, any of these old great drivers you speak to, we've all been fortunate enough to talk to them, work with them, deal with them, go like, there's no, no substitute for laps at Bathurst and Sladey, though he might not have been in the machinery to contend for a win in the past has got heaps of laps at the place And he's in the best car. I don't think any of us would argue that he's not in the fastest car in the field. All he has to do is not crash in practice and complete 60, 70, maybe 80 laps of the race, if that, without putting the thing in the fence.
1: And he he would be fast enough.
3: Last
2: year, Prema was, on the way it worked out, was right in the mix with all all the lead drivers. Yep. And that's what caught him out. You know, and it's it's happened to him twice. But the way that the, the grid worked out, they had they had Premer in the car and the lead drives, and and if Slade is in that position, you know, you could be seeing the same thing.
3: But but we we though? Because Slade's raced with these guys. He was a full time driver for eight years, I think.
2: Didn't, didn't do too many laps in two thousand
1: but, he, no, it it. but it wasn't but it wasn't at the front of the field racing these guys. Mate, he had a, one great he's, he's a race winner yeah he had, he had one great, races. He had one great weekend at Winton once
3: yeah in a BJR car who at that point weren't competitive. So I, it just everyone's been quick to write slady off in this progress. I, no, no, I, I, think I, I, don't, I don't think I, it's I, the case under
2: he is under pressure because he's sitting with there's the no
3: doubt the there's no doubt that he is but I, I don't think he'll feel it that much because he's in such a good environment to deal with that, with all the facets that DJR Team Penske have got around him to deal with this and the knowledge that he's got Scott McLaughlin to do all the grunt work. All he has to do is keep the car on the lead lap and they will be absolutely a shot to win it because this race I'm convinced wet or dry will be one on absolute raw car speed. This has got the potential to go under six hours if it's dry on Sunday. And all they need, and McLaughlin is the fastest driver in the fastest car, or as long as he's in the top 10, the final stint, and they'll get that inevitable closure with the safety car late in the race, they're 100% shot. So Uh, I I think there's more drivers with more weight on their shoulders to deal with in this race.
1: uh, I I hope he does win it because it'll be such a good send-off and a full stop and an exclamation mark yeah. on Scotty's career because he deserves, after the the rubbish last year that was none of Scotty's doing, you know, all that asterisk against that. Yeah. He, he deserved that win last year, but he'll ever be, sort of have to live with those problems that the team had. Uh, I hope he wins it fair, fair and square. Yep. yep yeah, right.
0: certainly do. Guys, we're going to leave it there in our Bathurst preview. We are going to have a podcast on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, wrapping up those days and then, of course, through the race itself. So still plenty to talk about. and We'll do that as well, we come along. Thank you so much for your time today, gentlemen. Really do appreciate it. Hey, what's your tips? No, no we'll give them later on the week. Oh,
3: okay. Well, no, well right. they're in the preview on the Oh, they are. So... They are, actually. If you go to the oh,
0: second annual always... race preview yeah. on racetalk.com you will see everyone's tips. Yeah. The only thing we can change in now is numerology.
3: <laughs> we've, we've unearthed something there, Dale. I don't know what it is. But we've unearthed something there with that segment. That was, uh, that sure was something. we?
0: Good on you, gentlemen. Get plenty of sleep because there's going to be a few big days up ahead of us.
1: Can't wait. Thanks, time.
0: And catch you next time, folks. Thanks for joining us. We'll speak to you again Thursday when we wrap up day one of the 2020 Bathurst 1000.